Welcome to the Women in Industry podcast. My name is Kirsty Davis-Chinnock and today I'm joined by Laura Crawford. Laura is the owner of Machinery and Manufacturing and they're part of Engineering Media Limited and they were formed to provide an accountable and honest platform for the engineering and manufacturing community while supporting a green environment. And Machinery and Manufacturing is all about good quality content. It's targeted for its audience, bursting with videos, downloads and interactive content. And if you've not downloaded a copy, go to their website and download one. Welcome, Laura. Lovely to see you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for such a lovely introduction. It was all stolen from your website and your LinkedIn profile. (laughs) I'm really good at copy and paste. (laughs) That's brilliant. You've been doing this, we just said 20 years experience. You've been doing this a long time now and and when you first started in sort of publishing back in sort of 2002 um you were a sales executive for like engineering magazines so did you want to be a publisher or did you want to go into sort of the engineering side or were you just sort of put on that side to be honest with you I started as a sales exec um, in, I don't know, I was halfway through my A-levels. I was doing A-level English, travel and tourism and theatre studies. Um, And I knew I was going to be off school for three months. And I always wanted to earn money. And, you know, I'd had a job since I was 14 in and out of retail and stuff. So I ended up doing a summer job at a publishing company as a sales exec um did I think 20 years later I was gonna be sat where I'm sat now absolutely not um I guess I I I loved the fact that although I was a sales exec at first I was um editing short form press releases that were coming in and this is back in the day of the facts coming through me sitting with a highlighter and a um a pencil faxing it back to be approved and Um, That was kind of my first kind of insight to engineering, manufacturing and the the business to business world of press, if you like, really. Um, So, yes, then I I became a a sales exec and and started being involved in different advertising and um, had my first trip up to the NEC, went out on some site visits and I was just bitten by the bug really but um to answer your question and I've gone around the houses a bit there no I I didn't think I was ever going to be a publisher and I I didn't necessarily um really foresee a a 20 I think I've been doing it 21 years now um in in manufacturing but um I certainly couldn't imagine my life without being in this sector anymore just becomes part of who you are really doesn't it it does and a lot of people and a lot of the women I've spoken to on this podcast, um, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them sort of fell into their sector, whether it's metals or timber or or, or whatever. Um, and you mentioned it's like being bitten, you know, bitten by the bug. You just sort of, it gets under your skin. And, and everybody, that's a real common thing. And I think part of it's to do with, the tangibility of what we do, you can see it and touch it at the end. Um, you, you, um, you mentioned site visits and, you know, going your first trip to the NEC. You do an awful lot of exhibiting yourself now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're at um, 
the Southern Manufacturing Show next week. I am. We're not actually exhibiting, we're visiting this time, but we're media partners. So we have an arrangement where we um, hand out copies of the mag at the entrances and things. Yeah, it looks like a great show this year, actually. It's grown tremendously. It has grown tremendously. I've um, I've not been to it, uh, oh gosh, for probably about eight or nine years. I mean, three of the years don't count because it was COVID. But <laughs> And I was hoping to go this year, but um, I didn't blank out my diary for the days it was on. Oh. And pe- people put things in it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and as much as it'd be great to go down, you know, uh, the customers that are all, already talking to me over those days, I don't want to bump them. That would just be rude. <laughs> you need to get yeah. along next year for sure. Yeah, hopefully, definitely. I think I might um, block it out now, actually. Um, so you're obviously passionate about manufacturing and engineering sectors. Um, what, apart from the tangibility has grown on you over the years what are you particularly passionate about oh goodness I think um I love the people I I feel that in this sector it's very I don't know if it's down to the tangibility and that crosses over to people as such but I feel it's very real you people tend to speak their mind um and for that reason you always know where you stand um I guess really um and even going back 20 years ago I sat in meeting after meeting and listened to managing directors owners of um I don't know small medium-sized um manufacturing um companies and they were explaining that there was a problem with the skills gap um and I but you know it was just this this drum that was banging over and over every single meeting the conversation would go that way and I guess it took me um until I was sort of 15 years into doing what I do to really start questioning why why the skills gap um why are people not taking up apprenticeships or weren't at the time I I do feel that we've come um some way in repairing that um now but I think um the the interest to me and my passion about trying to encourage youngsters or not necessarily even youngsters but anyone in their career to consider moving over and looking at manufacturing became quite an an interest to me to be honest um to the point where I probably spend half my week doing things that um you know are more of a hobby than a job (laughs) it's tangible that the amount of effort you put into it um, you featured Hannah Linden um, in a really brilliant interview um, last year. Um, and, and I spoke to her on this podcast not long after that. And That's we were talking fun. about what an advocate she is for apprenticeships. And by giving her the platform, um, you know, you're, you're really putting your money where your mouth is uh, when it comes to encouraging um People, not necessarily young, but other people into manufacturing and engineering um, and and looking to close that skills gap. And I think one of the things that we need to sort of get out there is how transferable skills work in manufacturing. It's not about, I don't know how to run that CNC machine or that polishing machine or that laser cutter. You can be trained to do the practicality. 
it's your life skills, your problem solving skills, um, your communication skills, your teamwork skills, uh, your ability to learn something new and apply that knowledge. Those are all skills that everybody's got to a greater or lesser extent and they can be improved on through practice. One of our team, um, she was in retail for probably 25 years before she came here, but it's about her communication skills and her people skills. Um, You know, she's fantastic as an account manager and she knew nothing about, you know, polishing stainless steel or aluminium. It was about those transferable skills. And I think because manufacturing, a lot of the bigger companies moved away from the local factory and went to all these posh science parks when we had loads of European money and things like that. Sure. Um, So people didn't always have the factory at the end of their road anymore. Mm. Um, And a lot of young people want to go out and earn some money. Yeah, they do. They, they do. Um, and I, I, I mentor um, T-level students that are 16, 17, 18 um, at the, the UTC that, that was my old school, actually, um, many years ago before it was a UTC. And they're all hungry for wanting to be involved in the manufacturing world. And one of the standout things that I was asked by one of the girls that is, you know, doing um, higher maths, she's She's very keen, involved in um, the cadets. I think she's got probably, I would like to think, an amazing um, engineering career in the aerospace sector ahead of her as she gets her head down. But the question to me was, is there a job for me? Are there really jobs out there for me in manufacturing and engineering? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, there are. In abundance. People are crying out for passionate, educated, you know, really talented young people like you. And I just think we all just need to be so loud and proud about uh, engineering and manufacturing. That's the only way that we can start to break down these barriers now that social media is such a thing. And I mean, this amazing podcast that you do, the more content that is out there, there's more chance that it will be found by people. So, yeah, I I will always, we have a career panel within every issue of machinery and manufacturing. And I'll highlight, um, obviously, we had Hannah Linden on. And she was fantastic. We highlighted her career to date. But then I also like to highlight um, people that have maybe been in the sector for 30 years and, and how, you know, how their journey has, has gone, really. Because I just think people are the most important thing about manufacturing really they are and and nearly everyone in manufacturing and engineering what they do is a specific skill um and yes it changes you have more automation um there's more robotics becoming involved but that people touch that um inherent skill the years of experience or the experience that they are gaining working with someone who's been doing it a while. It's all about that individual looking at a variety of things. And it might be in a lab, it might be on the shop floor, um, it could be anywhere, but it's it's making sure it's right, it's fit for purpose. You know, in all areas of manufacturing and engineering, 
if the part's not right, there's going to be a failure somewhere along the lines and those can be catastrophic. Yeah. So whilst lab testing, measuring and all of that is essential, having the person with their cognitive skills working alongside maybe AI data reconstruction or programming that, um, it, it's a, a good, fascinating meld. You might not need as many people, but they're also not picking things up and lifting things every minute of the day and going home shattered. That's right. That's right. I'd be a liar to say that I wasn't equally pro-automation, robotics, and, and absolutely um, embracing any technology that enhances the manufacturing sector. Um, but, you know, people will always still be the, the most important thing, you know, especially when it comes to design. And as you've um, touched upon, you know, just that human element and the actual cognitive skills for someone to go, whoa, hang on, that's not going to work out right. We need to stop that, change this um, or improve upon something, you know. And that's it. And a lot of the good ideas come from members of the team um, with their experience combined with uh, the practicalities of, of, of the job that they do day in, day out. So you set up machinery and manufacturing in 2021? I did. I, I incorporated the company. Engineering Media was incorporated in 2021 and machinery and manufacturing um, was first published in February 2022. That's it. There you go. You're testing me now. I don't really know where the last two years have gone. <laughs> So you did this, it was sort of, you know, 2021 was sort of still in the, we were coming out of COVID, but still in it and going back and we nobody, you know, I think most people um, in the manufacturing sector were back at site on work. We'd had 12 months previously that March, April furlough, everybody, oh my God, oh, we still need to get stuff out the door um, or come back, please, yes. <laughs> um, period of time. But there was still... A lot of things that it was difficult to do and and it's it's a big gamble at the best of times setting up on your own so why did you well <laughs> i guess um obviously the pandemic was was difficult for everyone i was um locked down with two children that i was homeschooling and and um i did work for for a different magazine through that time um but i think the thing that COVID kind of highlighted to me from a career perspective, when people, you, you hit the nail on the head, 2021, people started to return back to normality. And I realised that publishing and the digital world had changed forever. Um, and I just had this desire to do something about it. And I kind of, I'm, I can't really answer the question as to exactly why I chose my time in that way and how it kind of went. But I just sat with some ideas and I, I thought, you know, magazines, of course, they will still exist. Engineering is still very much, a, as you touched upon, a tangible marketplace. Production engineers do like to have a flick through a magazine. I, I know that because half the registrations I get are still, people are still ticking, I want a printed copy, fine. But I just knew with Teams, how we're recording this now, you know, interviews, video, social media, TikTok had come out the woodwork. We'd all started 
relying on LinkedIn for our professional communication because we had no choice. That was how we networked during um, COVID. Things have just changed so much um, that I believed that I could produce a product that would be published digitally first and then printed afterwards. So I went on a journey, as you can imagine, um, sat my husband down and asked him if we could remortgage the house for quite a large sum of money, uh, which he laughed at at first. <laughs> no, love, get yourself back to work. What are you talking about? And I was like, well, I'm serious. Then he, he found me on um, Virgin Business Loans one night over my shoulder and he, he said, don't do that. Are you really serious? And I said, yeah, I've done my business plan. He said, send it to me. So off he goes to London the next day. And I think within half hour, I'd read it on the train. And he, he, his message to me was, you cannot not do this. Of course, you can have the money, you silly mare. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, you silly mare. It's a bit... And part of it is, if you're going to put yourself out there and you believe in something that passionately... You've, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. You know, it's not pre-2008 anymore no. where, you know, you could just ring up the bank and I'd I just ring them up and go, can I have a quarter of a million pounds from your machine, please? And they go, yeah, no problem. You know, post that, it's like, can I have these? It's like, yes, fill out these 97 forms. Yes. Um, we want a copy of your passport, um, your personal mortgage statement, blah, blah, blah. And, and, mm -hmm. and it, it's... And it's not necessarily bad that those checks are in place now. No, for sure. But, but it does make it more of a risk for, yeah. for, you know, becoming a limited um, or becoming a director of a company when you need yeah. to put your own, um, you know, collateral against it. You know, it is a, a bit of a risky time. But Yes. I Tell me about it. I did that last year. And again, yeah, last year. It's um, end of January now, isn't it? I just gave all mine and my husband's money to the ICC last year for the next conference. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> It'll come back. <laughs> when, when is the next conference, Kirsty? Uh, it's the 29th of October, Women with Metal Conference. Um, it's the day before Advanced Engineering at yes. uh, the NEC. So it's... Um, A busy week. That's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I hope really so. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I missed the last one, but I'll be there this time. Well, It'll you were great. the first person to buy a ticket for I the was, 2023 it was conference. that I didn't actually make it. But it's, um, uh, You got yeah. your goodie bag, though. I did send I, you that. You did. Excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, moving back to you, you are incredibly honest on LinkedIn about the work-life balance. You know, you mentioned it a bit there. Um, and particularly when it comes to your kids doing their spelling homework, when you're trying to work and everything else. A work-life balance when you have a young family is a juggle, particularly when, you know, both people work, in your case as well, um, with the business, which is still fairly young. So while you're juggling, if you have to drop something, what do you drop? Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe I need to do a walk around of my house <laughs> and then everyone on LinkedIn would know exactly what I dropped. <laughs> Where do I start? The housework, <laughs> the laundry. Um, you know, generally the focus has to be keeping two small humans alive <laughs> and running two businesses between us. Um, 
it's a juggle. I'm not going to lie. It really, it really is. And as much as we do try and do the spellings and the homework, I must admit we don't do it as much as maybe some families do that have maybe got a, a mum that doesn't work or, or a dad. I mean, sorry, I don't want to stereotype there. Um, what do I let drop? Probably, if I'm being totally honest with you, in the last two years, unfortunately, the thing that I've let drop is probably my fitness. It's difficult, isn't it, to sort of try and get everything in. I am, um, and and quite often the focus when, particularly if you've had um, a, a busy time or a difficult time, and everybody's life has challenges that get thrown up all the time. Um, the one thing we tend to let drop is something about us as individuals, yep. whether it's fitness, whether it's maybe seeing friends or doing hobbies that we've always enjoyed. It always tends to be something that we put ourselves on the back burner. And it's it's so easy. You see these like coaches on LinkedIn or on Instagram or TikTok or somewhere, you know, you know, what, what, what's the phrase? Um, self-care is not selfish. Well, no, it's not, but keeping two other young humans alive yeah. and running the businesses is a bit more important than um, looking after yourself sometimes. Totally. We just get in survival mode, don't we? And sometimes yeah. survival mode is, um, you know, getting the job done and, and making sure... We've got a happy, I think we've won, we've got a happy, healthy home. We eat very well. We eat wholesome foods and, and um, the kids are actually embarrassingly adventurous with their food. <laughs> oh, my son was. It was fantastic. It was absolutely was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, my son's 28 now. Um, but when he was probably about seven, he went for a sleepover at my brother. And his girlfriends, he's now my sister-in-law. Um, and they were like, what does he like to eat? And I was like, uh, his favourite vegetable is broccoli. His favourite fruit at the moment is light cheese. Um, Fish-wise, he likes this, this and this. Um, and I just did this whole list. And then at the end, there was a like pause. And my brother went, does he like chicken nuggets and smiley faces? And I was like, well, we don't tend to eat them, but, I, you know, he will. I said, but I really hope you haven't bought them, especially for him. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. And he went, oh, no, that's what we have for dinner. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> It'll kill me for putting that on this. Oh, so. bless. <laughs> um, great when they're that adventurous with food. It, it is. I, I it's really fantastic. And, um, when we were in America um, last year, the exchange rate, it was just so expensive that lobster wasn't a question for me you know let alone them and I'm reading Rory's um nuggets pizza mac and cheese and he's looking at me as if to say really we're in a restaurant what are you doing to me why have I got to eat this stuff but hey sorry I digress it, 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 it is it, it's great when they're adventurous like that they um try some brilliant things one of my son's favorite meals when he was little at a restaurant we used to go to a lot at that time was shark kedgeree was it day. amazing yeah, yeah that's yeah. very cool isn't it <laughs> is he still a foodie now though May yeah I? yeah definitely 
It oh, really, cool. really is. There it we really go. Is. Fingers Which crossed. Which is great fun. For me. <laughs> yeah, it's great fun. We just get to go to all sorts of interesting restaurants. That's cool. So talking about interesting, um, you in your bio on LinkedIn call yourself a CNC machine tool geek. So what is it about CNC that you geek out about? Oh, I love it. I just, I, it's, it's almost like therapy to me when I see things being machined. When the tools are cutting things like butter, it just sends me into a, I don't know, I feel so relaxed around um, a lathe or a five-axis machine. I know that sounds crazy, and I've never I've never actually even attempted to push the button and run one, which I, th- I think I actually do need to um, change at some point in the near future. I need to get involved. I need a day on the shop floor with someone. Um, my, my dad... Um, was a welder my my granddad was maintenance engineer in a boiler room um for GlaxoSmithKline or when it was um well Burrows and Welcome years ago so I've always been surrounded by um engineering and giving him a cuddle you know the smell of um a workshop and I think when I first started going out on site the smell of the coolant and lubricant or yeah just the smell of it just kind of don't know. They say that smell is a powerful thing, don't they? It is. It evokes memories. And, yeah, totally. But it, it, when you're in the environment all day, you just don't smell it anymore. It's no, a friend of mine. Don't. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, we, a professional polishing sponsor. She's one of the world's strongest women. Um, and she came round to pick me up and put me on her shoulder um, for some campaign we were doing. <laughs> Um, which was absolutely terrifying because she's six foot two or six foot one. He's six foot one, smacks, can't remember. Um, and I don't like heights. And I hadn't thought about it until I'm balanced on her shoulder, six foot up in the air. And she brought her daughter with her, who's about five. And she just went, it smells funny in the factory. And I'm like, does it? Yeah. <laughs> Never noticed. Funny, isn't it? Oh, I, <laughs> I love noticed it. that. <laughs> I just feel at home as soon as I smell that, you know, slippery underfoot. <laughs> It's well, hopefully not slippery underfoot. Well, hopefully that's not too slippery. Health and safety. Underfoot. Health and Sorry. safety. Yeah, I have not been visiting anywhere slippery underfoot. Sorry, Mister. Excellent. Excellent. And <laughs> um, we have to talk about Mac twenty twenty four that's coming up. Yeah. Um, how are you getting involved in that? I'm always heavily involved in in um, Mac, and I'm really excited um, about it this year. We've got a. Um, a nice size stand as well this time um so we'll be exhibiting and i'll be up at the nec for the the whole week well from the the sunday to the following saturday no doubt um we're official media partners to the mta so we've been producing um the mac preview issue that um just went to press yesterday um we produce a show issue that's handed out front of house um, at the NEC. And actually, we've got some really cool um, scannable QR codes on floor tiles around the hall to encourage people to take it away digitally and interact with it digitally. So that's cool. Um, I love a QR code. Well, again, you know, the whole the COVID situation, the, the change of um, printed media, QR codes are, have just been completely sort of forced back into our day-to-day lives haven't they and they're fantastic but it's so weird because it was like 
I don't know, 20 years ago or something, they start, and you didn't use your camera, you had to download on your phone. Yes. A QR code, like, oh, reader. reader. Yeah. That's yeah. And I remember, oh, it was probably 15 years ago, but I remember we did an exhibition, and I put QR codes up on the stand, and nobody scanned them. Oh, no one no. knew what they were, and I was so excited. Um, but now they're back, as you say, sort of forced into our everyday life. They're so useful. Totally. Just to give you that um, downloadable content, that saveable content. Yes. Um, Quite. In your case, for, for the copy of your magazine, that people can have a hard copy as they enter Mac 2024 at the NEC or take it away digitally. That's I right. don't know which I'll do because I'm coming to visit that, whether I'll QR code it or have a real one. Treat yourself to both, Kirsty. Treat I think I might have to. Although with machinery and manufacturing, every page tends to have a QR code. For that reason, people can read the article and scan the QR code to actually enjoy the video that goes with the article. So, um... And that's, that's what makes your um, sort of printed copy invaluable. I mean, I know on the digital there'll be links you can click, um, but on printed ones, that was what was missing, wasn't it? You could have all that interactive content on digital copies where you just press play on the video but when you got the sort of paper version it was like well how you know it'd say type this website address into watch the yes. video no one's gonna do that no that's right so, now we've blurred the lines between traditional and and digital if you like really it's um yeah it's very cool oh i look forward to seeing you there i will come by your stand please do come and visit us yes i keep doing this we've gone over time again oh, i don't know um, last question, Laura, which is one I, I, I ask all my guests. What's the best advice you've ever received? Goodness. The best advice I've ever received probably came from a lady that I'd met in a networking group about three years ago um, when I was having a bit of a tough time thinking about where I go, do I launch um, a magazine on my own? And she just said to me, you just, you come alive when you talk about what you love. And her words to me were, always be authentically yourself. Um, and that stuck with me. And I think I try and, you know, what you see is what you get with me. I'm not I don't pretend to be anything I'm not. I'm a girl from the, the outskirts of South London. Um, and um, <laughs> this is me in a meeting with um, C-suite level or, you know, speaking to my my mates down the pub on a, on a Sunday afternoon. I think, yeah, authenticity is, is um, key and, and probably, yeah, the most important thing it I've makes been. you happier as well doesn't it if you're um and I think I think part of that that acceptance that this is me um comes with experience possibly a bit of age yes perhaps I am thundering towards 40 so um yeah. uh, yes the uh... so far in the rear view mirror <laughs> I can't even remember what it was like <laughs> definitely feels like a bit of a coming of age though like a, this is me this is who I am and you know let's go <laughs> well it's always lovely to see you 
Um, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you and for inviting me. Everybody, go to Mac 2024. You can register online um, and go and visit your stand machinery and manufacturing. Absolutely. Well, visit my stand, but please visit and see the amazing technology that's on show at Mac 2024. It's um, it's going to be a really interesting show. It's going to be a good one this year, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm Thanks. going to walk around going, I want a robot again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Kirsty. Speak to you soon.